Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Philosopher's Stone podcast. This is Jordan Jameson Gabriel Strauss on the mic. And uh, there's also Sam Laboon. I don't know your middle names. My middle name is Henry. <laughs> you got me shitting me, dude. cool um what's up henry what what how's your week been uh not too much i saw john wick chapter four this weekend i what? saw john wick chapter four this weekend oh oh how was that it was uh if you like action movies you should go see this movie if you I don't do. like action movies you should not go see this movie <laughs> Because that's all that is in this movie is action. <laughs> well, here's the thing: is I like action. I like watching an action movie if it's like really like they're making, they're doing shit. I that because the thing is, is that everybody's seen so many gunslinger action movies that it's almost impossible to do anything that people haven't seen a hundred thousand times already, right? Um, that's what you think, and then they 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 always find ways to innovate. Well, that's what this, I'm saying. This, is, this is, movie is, is very innovative. If they innovate, then I'm down to watch an action <laughs> movie. But there's been so many times where I'm like, okay, just get to the next fucking plot point. I know exactly how you shoot everyone in this room. No, no, don't Although, worry. I will say I've I've really liked the the other John Wicks. I thought they were really good. Oh, if you, like, as... if you like the other John Wicks, this will blow your mind. Okay. Yeah. I just Action movies is just one of those things where it's like, oh, it's like a car chase. I think I probably talked about this before, but like... Man, very rarely am I entertained by car chases in movies. I'm just, I literally, if I was in the theater, I would, I would just fucking skip right past them every time. They're so fucking annoying to me. Ah, Exception well, being the opening scene in the movie Drive. Actually, both the car chases in Drive were really good because um, they were so, they felt so realistic. Well, you'll love this movie because they have a trailer for the final chapter of the Fast and the Furious. Oh, franchise, fast oh is it the ten. final is it the final chapter i fucking don't i don't believe it I mean, 10x x is a good one to end on because then they have to do xi i don't know if they're gonna do xi the thing is and this is uh a problem creatively with hollywood is that they rarely stop making franchise movies if the franchise is still making the money from a business standpoint it makes total sense yeah. But uh, if this one makes money, I guarantee you there's going to be maybe they won't call it the Fast and the Furious, but it will be a spinoff of some sort. It's like they've already done spinoffs for Fast and Furious. Yes, they Uh, have Hobbs and Hobbs and Shaw, I believe. And if it makes money, like, why wouldn't they? Right. Why would they? Why would they invest in a new idea they don't know is a sure thing, which is, you know, it's it's the money getting in the way of creativity, which has been the case since money has existed <laughs> yeah uh, you need what you need is a benevolent investor to like sink a bunch of money into a, an idea they believe in and not have to worry about it losing money an angel investor an angel investor right that's right called. that's what i could use wow. right now for my album which is out now <laughs> jordan strauss comedy.com funny thing about cancer 20 percent goes to terry fox foundation Pay what you want. Digital download. Go get it. 
Um, it was released on Saturday, uh, which was our best day as far as sales go. <laughs> Dropped off sharply after that. Um, and I think that I can only really thank uh, John, Mr. John Doerr for those sales because he shared it on his Instagram. And that's when I got most of my action on the sales and the Instagram follows. And then, uh, yeah, it's just kind of dropped off. It's not exactly blowing. Uh, it's not exactly blowing up. So it might be a bit of a slog to get this, the word out about this thing to people, but whatever. At least I have something to promote now, you know? Did you put it up on like Spotify, iTunes? I cannot put it on Spotify because they only accept albums if it's like a certain amount of tracks. And the problem with this album is that it is uh, a singular story. So the context between tracks needs to be there to make sense. So that's where it came. That's what, and plus we wanted to raise some money for not only ourselves, but for cancer research. And we can't really do that on Spotify. So this was, I guarantee you we've already made more money than we would have made if we had left it on Spotify forever because they don't pay anything. But um, it's really been not, it hasn't really breached outside of my immediate, I mean, of like my social sphere. Like the, the, the general public has not picked it up at all and i went on the uh local news here uh and they did an article uh an interview and everything um and it didn't really move the needle at all so i don't know what it's going to take to get people on board but uh i will say i feel like a weight has been lifted off my shoulders now that it's out and in the ether and uh yeah i can kind of start moving on from the entire uh, saga so to speak. So despite sales not being great, I do feel good about it. Well, I think the sales will, they might drop off a bit, but you know, things, the algorithm picks things up. I mean, eventually I think you should try and put it on some platform where people. Can oh, I will. I will. The thing it. is, is there's no algorithm at play here. That's the thing. I need to like start. Yeah, you need an it. algorithm. I need to. I need to. I need to please the algorithm. Fuck <laughs> it. I hate it so much. Anyways, I'm gonna try throwing it up on on TikTok, trying to get some TikToks about it going. Um, I don't know how long I'm gonna leave it up as like this digital download thing because eventually I'm just gonna have to put it out for whatever, it, just so people can actually see it. But um, I am proud of it. I've listened to it probably 10 times front to back at this point, and I still think it's good. Um, so wow. that's rare. That's a rare thing. <laughs> um, but so, Sam, listen to it if you haven't fucking listened to it yet. Jesus. <laughs> Can you see who's purchased it on your website? I don't want to disclose news. that information. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I can see who's bought it. Um, some, some like really a couple like fairly well-known comedians in LA have bought it. Um, so hello, hello, hello. Yeah. Which ones? Disclose. I can't disclose. They're not like, ah. like, like, they're not like huge, but they've definitely, I've seen a couple on some Netflix stuff. So, uh, let's, uh, put it that way. A couple, a couple of names I recognize just from watching stand up on Netflix. So, Okay. Um, whether they enjoyed it or not, it will remain a mystery. Um, 
<laughs> and also, I think some people just buy it because of the charity thing and never actually get around to listening to it. Which they're is just also... mining it for to steal your premises and jokes. Uh, I would That's honestly, obvious. at this point, I would take that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was great. I know uh, I got a huge endorsement from John Doerr, Canadian comedy legend John Doerr, and we had a hell of a weekend with the John Doerr headlining shows. Wow. Let me tell mm-hmm. you, um, Southeast Kelowna Hall, shout out. That was my favorite show, probably because I was actually on it. But uh, I got to see him do a couple headlining sets, and goddamn, is he funny. And uh, shout out to Kyle P. Ferris and Andrew Crone. They, I know both of them were uh, kind of anxious about doing well in front of the, the John, the, the John Doerr. <laughs> and they both knocked it out of the park. Uh, Crone, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen him crush that hard. Uh, well, must have been pretty hard. <laughs> well, here's the thing: he crushed. He, I've seen him crush that hard, but I, he, he really like you could tell he cranked it up to eleven. On, uh, to, he really fucking was putting some serious fucking English on that bad boy. Um, <laughs> and he was telling shit I'd never even heard before. So it's like, wow. So shout out to Kyle P. Ferris and Andrew Crone, whose podcast I'm going to be running to immediately after this one. Um, but uh, yeah, overall, a uh, great weekend of comedy for uh, the Kelowna scene. Um, and uh, yeah, buy my fucking album. God damn it. <laughs> okay, okay, I'll buy it. Jeez. All right. Uh, <laughs> that was more to our general audience, which oh, I, don't okay. know. I don't know who that is at this point. <laughs> I know Bonnie and Joel have already ordered it. So that's pretty much, <laughs> I think that's two thirds of our audience. Um, but yeah, uh, it's been good. Anything you would like to report from the, from the week? Um, other, okay. So I, I mentioned I had, I saw John wick. Um, I continue, like I've said probably before I watched trials. So right now Gwyneth Paltrow's having a trial. So I'm watching that. Yeah, so is this um, something you do for your work or you do it for No, this is just to to like pass the time while so I'm working. So I don't know anything about this Gwyneth Paltrow uh trial. The last trial I was privy to was the Amber Heard thing, but <laughs> I, I watched some clips of like the prosecuting or whoever was on the opposite side of Gwyneth Paltrow and she was like fangirling over her and it just seemed very oh, unprofessional. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it is kind of like a farce like it's it it's it is kind of funny sometimes because like it seems so silly mm-hmm. like it's only they're they're doing this over 300k only 300k yeah they're doing this over 300 300 thousand dollars so what is the actual story i have no idea what's going on here um so basically i think it was in 2017 they were on a ski hill does this have to do with the vagina candle no oh no nothing to do with that okay <laughs> They were on a ski hill. Uh, One of them crashed into the other one and years later has been suing. And then ever since then, he's been suing her, claiming uh, that the collision caused a brain injury, which completely changed his personality. Oh, and what do you how do you feel about that claim? I don't know. Judging by what I've seen and what I've heard, it sounds like uh, he was like an elderly guy. Uh-huh. who had a little hit on the ski accident on on the ski hill. Maybe it was his fault. Maybe it was hers. It's unclear. Yeah. And 
Yeah, how are we supposed to trust his uh, recall of the actual situation if he's got brain damage? Yeah, well, the thing is, like, the brain damage seems to vary. All the physical evidence shows an extremely minor injury, and none of the symptoms he's reporting are consistent with minor concussions, but they are consistent with, uh, like, dementia and stuff like that. Oh, is that the angle so, that they're going with? That he's got dementia. He's a crazy person. That, yeah, their angle is going that not only they're they're the defense's angle is that he caused the accident by skiing into her because uh. Uh, he had eye eye problems, eye vision problems, and then uh, subsequently blamed his uh, deteriorating mental health on her so that he could sue her for a lot of money. Interesting, interesting. Oh, being a celebrity must be fun, hey. Oh man, it seems a while. I, I, like you have to go undercover everywhere. Yeah, People no are, kidding. Yeah, and then anytime someone feels like they have an opening to rob you of what you got, then they take it. Um, yeah, that's fucked up. It's hilarious, but sometimes her her lawyer will just say like her defense lawyer will, like will be talking and they'll be objecting, and he'll just say like I don't want to hear any more of, of these objections. And then, and then they'll say like you're not allowed to tell us we can't object, and then he'll he'll just be like ah oh, fine. <laughs> the, everyone... the, the judge is like that. <laughs> no, the her lawyer is like that. He, he's oh. like, I don't want to hear any more objections. And her lawyer and his lawyer is like you can't tell us what to do. And he's like ah oh, fine. And then what? Everyone the laughs. Oh it's, my god! It's ridiculous. Yeah. Sounds like a real dog and pony show. Is that the is that the saying? Dog and pony. Yeah, it should have never. It's it's a case that should should not have gone to trial because it's ah. they won't win. They're going to lose, right, and they're right. going to have to pay costs to the other side. Idiots, idiots, all of idiots, them. Idiots, idiots. Yep. Bunch well, of morons. Anyway, that's all. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool. Um, do we have a plan for this episode? Uh, we have a we have a plan. We do. Okay. What are we talking yeah. about? Oh, well, last week we talked about the end of the universe. Yes. And so this week we will be talking about the afterlife. Ooh. Well, I'll tell you about it. It's uh, <laughs> it is heaven. It's the the biblical heaven as described. Um. So everybody else was wrong. Um. The streets are made of gold, even though it's it's not a very practical material to make uh, roads with. It's very soft um, and <laughs> malleable. Oxidized. Yeah, and uh, it uh, it does look ballin'. I'm not saying it doesn't look ballin', but uh, you know it ends up getting dirt all over it, anyways. Anyways, I thought where we were going, we won't need roads. I thought we could fly, um, <laughs> but I don't know. That has yet to be confirmed. The flight. Uh, I don't. You know can't they- fly in heaven. There's no flight. I haven't heard uh, that maybe in the later uh, D- some DLC coming down the pipe, they'll let you fly in there. Oh, but the new as patch. far as I can tell, what you do is you get a big house. Everybody gets a big house. So if you oh, were everyone, about, everyone gets a big house, everyone gets a big house. So if you're worried they about build storage, you one when you move in or how do you do you get someone's old one? Uh, it, the houses aren't gold. That's uh, oh. It's it's uh, not good for your uh, concrete, at least. What it is is it's it's Roman concrete. Is there exposed brick? There's exposed brick if you want it. That's (laughs) that is one of the best parts about heaven is it's very customizable. (laughs) 
Oh, nice. We get to pick. Okay. Yes. Cool. Uh, unfortunately, Is there an idea stage where we go through and pick things. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, God is actually Swedish. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but the one thing that is a little bit disappointing for people is uh, because of animals not having souls, there is no animals in heaven. So, oh. yeah. And you kind of have to go to church yeah. every day for. Uh, Do they have all... Beyond Meat? Oh, t- <laughs> There's no food. I mean, unless you want food, <laughs> you don't have to eat. You don't have to eat. Um, Whoa. So no, can, no eating. I wow. I, no, I think you can if you want to. Um, it's just one of those things you don't need to do, but if you enjoy it, like you can still get a toilet and take dumps all day because if you like enjoying dumps, then you get to do that. They don't want to take anything you enjoy away. Um, uh, besides, if you're gay, then they're just going to take your uh, ability to love who you want away. But that's Whoa. a small price to pay for gold streets, dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> did we mention the gold streets the gold streets is really on its front page of the brochure uh they sunk their whole budget into that uh gimmick but uh, anyways fucking jesus and his bling i know always <laughs> oh, obsessed uh with the gold well you would think so if you went to the vatican the vatican if you had never read the bible and you went to the vatican you would think god was like obsessed with jewels <laughs> That's funny. Makes him closer to yeah. a dragon, if you ask me. Um, but we won't go down there. What? What's Dude, this, and what? the dragon is a serpent, right? Yeah. And the serpent, oh, is the devil. Oh, the Pope is the devil. Yep. Yeah. I mean, yep. come on. We've all known this. Yes. We've known this for a long time. We have Catholic known this Church for a long time. Is actually the devil's organization. I mean, it, it's done a lot of really, really bad stuff. So... Um, yeah. On a massive scale. Anyways, what are we talking about in regards to philosophy of the afterlife? Okay, so we're going to go through uh, a few different ideas about the afterlife. And and we're going to talk about it in terms of a couple major philosophical uh, theories, I guess. Dualism, which is the idea that there is a material body and an immaterial soul. And then we'll also talk about the afterlife from the materialist perspective, in which case there's no soul. You just have a material body. Could there still be an afterlife, even if all you have is a material body? And then uh, we'll talk about the paranormal aspects of the afterlife and near-death experiences that people report. Great. Uh, I'm going to pause because I really have to go to the bathroom one second. Oh, my God. What do we do? Do we pause the recording or do I just talk? Uh, I can just talk. Can I it? Oh, hang on. All right. Sorry. That was uh, unavoidable. <laughs> hey, the call of nature cannot be refused. Ah, you know, sometimes it just hits you out of, out of fucking nowhere. Anyways. <laughs> Incontinence. All right. Yeah. Um, yet to shit my pants this year. Anyways. <laughs> uh, so we're talking about the afterlife. And the afterlife. Yes. Okay, yeah, so are we recording again? We are. Okay, right, so the afterlife. Uh, why should we care about the afterlife? Well, let, let's uh, let's table, let's consider, just before we get into it, why should we care? Well, you could say, even if you think there is no afterlife, 
if you think there is no afterlife, then that might have some bearing on how you live your present life. Yes. And if you think there is an afterlife, then that might also have some bearing on how you live your present life. So it's an interesting question whether you believe that there is one or not. It's worth considering. Yes. I once, and at one point in my life, was convinced that you could not have a moral compass without the fear of hell. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So uh, then... I th- I literally believe that if you were atheist, you would uh, have no problem just being evil, and uh, that showed me. Like later on, I realized what a terrible mindset that was for me to have or belief to have. That was not good. So what I was just doing good stuff, so I didn't go to hell. Probably. Yeah, we could do a whole. There's a whole uh, pl- platonic dialogue called the Euthyphro specifically about how morality and religion are related. But that that would be another topic for another time. But we should definitely do that. Yeah, no, I'm down. Uh, It's it's close to home. (laughs) Anyway, speaking of Plato, Plato, getting back to uh, the afterlife, uh, Plato had an opinion on death. He and he thought that there isn't he thought that there likely is some sort of an afterlife. But whether there is or there isn't, he thought we should welcome death. Because after we die, uh, he thought we would be our souls would be freed, and they would live in an in an afterlife or be reincarnated. Mm. Your soul is free from all the suffering of the body. Sort of, kind of, kind of a Buddhist idea as well. Uh, yeah, but there are seemed, other like oh, I've always like the the idea that um, you know. Uh, if you believe in an afterlife, it's typically the belief is that it's better than uh, what we have here. And I don't, unless you're in the burning lake of fire. Right. Right. But you're not allowed to kill yourself either. I guess that's the, that's the other thing. So maybe, (laughs) maybe, um, because it's like, if someone really believes that the afterlife is going to be better, why aren't we having more people throw themselves off of, you know, I guess that's kind of happening with like extremist Islam, but, uh, I digress. Go on. Well, yeah. So what you're talking about is uh, is important, right? Because when you think about whether or not there's an afterlife, you're thinking about like, 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 especially if you think about like, am I going to get into heaven or not? That has a lot of consequences on how you're going to live your life now. You're going to live it with your eye on the future. Yes. Yeah. Uh. But it, it doesn't necessarily mean that uh, all of our, that what we, like what is happening now doesn't matter or, or isn't worth thinking about, mm-hmm. even if there is an afterlife. Because if there is, then you have to live your life in a certain way so that you can get into it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the other thing about the eternal afterlife is that it really is a terrifying thought. Uh, when you get into it to be conscious for eternity. Is that really something that you want? Yeah. I don't know. That doesn't sound nice to me. <laughs> no, <it> sounds awful. <laughs> there's never, there's no ending. There's no ending to this. That just seems like there's like the only valid 
conclusion to sentience and consciousness is for it to all end one day and the, the lights to go off because the thought of being even if it was heaven and like in the like in the definition of heaven to me uh i just think that unless you change our basic human nature that gets used to stuff or gets bored of stuff there is going to be a point where heaven no longer feels that cool anymore. You know, it could be the best thing in the world, like everything you ever wanted. And you could, will probably end up, you know, staring out your fucking mansion's window onto the gold streets, wondering if there's more to life. <laughs> yeah. When can I get my after afterlife? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Well, uh, so, yeah, so that's a good point. Um, Heaven might be boring, but of course the afterlife could be something that we haven't even possibly conceived of. It could be we're in a simulation. The afterlife is like we wake up in a different world or something. It could, could yeah. be something totally different. Uh, but one one reason people will say it matters more if there's an afterlife or not is because they think that if there's no afterlife, then it kind of makes the present life pointless. Yeah. Um, that's also something I've had to come to terms with. Uh, I think anyone who's raised religious and then loses their uh, religion in adulthood has to come up with a, some sort of reason to, uh, live their lives because you're, you know, my entire childhood, it was always, the goal was to essentially Christianity comes out as the winner, (laughs) Somehow, I don't know what that looks like. Either I'm going to die and go to heaven, or I'm I'm going to get uh, uh, raptured and go to heaven. The goal was always to go to heaven, and I think that is based mostly in the pain of losing loved ones forever, and that belief is just there to uh, ease that pain. Um, but it does have a. I think that being raised religious, it does cause like. I, I sometimes feel like I never had like a proper uh, anchor into my place in the world uh, as a mortal being. You know what I mean? Like I never had a proper relationship with death. And so it's something that is uh, a cause of anxiety in my adulthood now. Interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, this is, this maybe this will be an antidote for you. Okay. Um, so there, there are some philosophers who, who they they, that's all they think about. They think the most important thing is what happens in the future. The most mm-hmm. important thing to determine the value of life now is what is going to happen in the future. But you can also completely ignore what's going to happen in the future. So there's the philosopher Peter Singer, and he has the the example where suppose you. Uh, are involved in a project to help a community in a poor country and the project helps the community uh, pay off its debts and become sufficient in food production, uh, waste management, things like that. You, uh, you get the village up and running and, and everything's going great. Mm-hmm. Now, does it matter that in you know a thousand years, everyone in the village will be dead, their children will be dead, their grandchildren will be dead? They're great. Nothing will will matter anymore. Singer says, well, okay, yeah. So it doesn't matter, but Singer says, 
that doesn't mean your efforts aren't wasted unless they endure forever or even if for a long time. And his, this is kind of weird. We'll get into another explanation, but his, his explanation for it is uh, you have to think of all times as being equally real. All times so present is being... Is e- yeah, the present is just as real as the future, just as real as the past. Mm-hmm. So because the village was up and running in 2020, they will always be happy, healthy, and well-educated in 2020. And when you're in the future, the past is just as real. And so anyway, that's kind of a metaphysical way to to say well, that it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's about the moment is the only thing that really matters essentially is like, um, but that, that, that doesn't mean you should live, uh, as if there is no tomorrow because that often is an excuse to do really rash shit. But mm-hmm. I think the, the point is, is that every, um, you, you, if you keep living for the future, you're never going to ha- ever actually truly be experiencing, uh, reality the way it should be as in like this is today matters you don't have to be focusing on 20 years from now all the time Mm -hmm. uh here's a here's a funny funny example from the philosopher eric wielenberg who he gives the example of being in gym class and they'll be having the kids will be having a fight in gym like in a basketball game they're having a fight and the gym teacher will come over and say, like, kids, like, come on, 10 years from now, will any of you care who won this game? Mm-hmm. And uh, his his thought, like his response, Eric Wielenberg's response was, like, does it really matter now whether any of us will care in 10 years? Yeah. It's, uh, I've, I remember reading this one thing about, like, having to – uh, you know, when you see a kid that has essentially a tantrum over a small thing because their world is so small, that small thing is actually proportionate to their reaction. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So it means a lot to them now. Yeah. Who cares exactly. about the future? This matters now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can comfort yourself with that, uh, saying I won't care about this in 10 years, but in reality, uh, I mean, if you start adopting that, um, that mindset, how are you even supposed to like, does it work with, like, why am I enjoying this now? I'm not going to enjoy it. I'm not going to be enjoying it in 10 yeah. years. It's the still gym matters. teacher's a bad man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I guess, but really there's no time like the present. Um, mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's kind of one of the more Buddhist type sentiments is you got to live in the now um because you can constantly be worried about what's happened you can be regretting what's happened or be worried about what's going to happen constantly and you completely miss out on life gotta stop and smell the roses exactly (laughs) yeah uh and then here's like i think the best way of putting this this is from the philosopher thomas nagel and he says uh It's true that what we do now might not matter a million years from now. But, quote, there is an important distinction between whether some event matters and whether the persons who live in the future are aware of the event and care about it. 
So it might be true that in the future, like nothing, nobody in the future is aware of what is happening now. Nobody cares about what happened now. But that doesn't mean it didn't matter. Right. Yeah. I mean, who decides what matters and what doesn't matter? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good, good point. All right. So maybe we've successfully established that the afterlife is worth thinking about philosophically. It um, is worth thinking about, but is it worth worrying about? Um, <laughs> as far as like, should it affect your day to day life? Hmm. That's a, that's a trickier question because no one knows. Well, I mean, I think we'll get it to later. Uh, the like near death experiences, those might be the biggest reason for you to take it seriously. But, um, I don't know. I think, I think if you're like a serious, reasonable person, you can't really be that concerned about it. The, it's, it's like, cause you, where are you going to get the answer? Like you're, yeah. you're doomed. You're doomed to the- not knowing. The, the real, I think this is, comes back to the, the whole idea of the afterlife is not based on uh, your own survival, but uh, it's on the, uh, the sad thought of losing all of your relationships. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, the afterlife, you might not even be able to have relationships in the afterlife. Like no one knows, even if there is one, no one knows what it might be like. Right, right. No, uh, like would you I, talk I, to I, anybody without I, a body. I, I would, I would not go as far to say I'm sure there isn't an afterlife. I just, yeah. I'm, I would be very. Oh, that's why people care. Yeah, yeah. I, I would be very surprised if the afterlife was uh, the gold streets heaven, uh, where there's no animals or gays. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's let's get into it. Uh, possibility of an afterlife so let's take the dualist perspective first okay so if, if you remember dualism is the idea that human beings we have a physical material body but our minds are or and we have a brain but we also have an immaterial soul that is not physical but somehow embodied so that's a very popular belief uh, in Western um, society. Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, it seems like a lot of people believe this in a in a not not a very like they don't believe it in a like a rigorous philosophical way. It's just they say like, oh yeah, I have a soul, but they haven't really. I wouldn't say most people are dualists in the philosophical sense. It's it's a much more complicated theory. Oh. People will say they have a soul, but I don't know if they, most people really know what they mean when they say they have a soul. No, it's just it feel they know that not having a soul is bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had no soul. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, soul soul doesn't. Yeah, who knows what what it means? Anyway, uh, so this is, seems like the easiest way to get an afterlife because when your body dies. What happens to your soul? Maybe your soul doesn't die with your body. Well, if it doesn't die with your body, then maybe it survives death and hence an afterlife. Well, my question is, if he doesn't need your body to survive, then why did he even have your body in the beginning? 
at all. Like, why is there even a body required in this equation? If we have this soul thing that doesn't require a body, body seems like a real nuisance to have. Um, yep, that's a problem for dualism. Why, why is the soul in a body? That's a problem. Yeah, I mean, if we can, if the soul goes on without it, why'd it go in it? Like, I mean, then you got to get that's when you're like, oh well, uh, you know, there's a omnipresent alpha being that runs everything, and it what it wants to do is it wants to test you. It wants the it wants to put you to the test. Uh, but it won't tell you exactly why and it won't exactly tell you what for uh, and why it's necessary. But you're being tested, so don't fuck it up. (laughs) Yes, very silly. Well, anyway. So yeah, let's get into all the reasons why dualism might might actually not be able to uh, be compatible with an afterlife. So one problem is when we think of an afterlife, it's important that we, the same person, is the one who has survived death. So, like, you died, but you are now in the afterlife. You died, your body's on earth, but your soul is in heaven. But you're not the same as you were when you were alive because now you don't have a body anymore. So, if a person is defined as partly by the, their body, then once you lose your body, are you really the same person? So you're not you're not identical with who you were when you were alive. So is it a true afterlife? Have you really survived death in, in an important way? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it depends on the word survive, right? Because uh, you're definitely dead. So that's not surviving. Um, it's more of are you aware of who you were? and who you are without your body. Mm -hmm. So what's important is not necessarily like having a, having a body, but being the same, like thinking and being. Yeah. And and does that mean you need to retain all your memories from your life? Right. Because if I died and I, my soul went to heaven or whatever, and I didn't have any memory of being alive on earth, then what, what, uh, what am I? Uh, You probably wouldn't, I probably wouldn't have the same personality, right? Uh, Is Jason Bourne really Jason Bourne? Yeah. Right. Who is that guy? Yeah. Who is Jason Bourne? (laughs) Who is Jason Bourne? And where (laughs) the fuck is Carmen Sandiego? These are big questions (laughs) that people need to start working on. Yep. Uh, yeah. So, so, so that, that's a very good point. Um, but another problem is suppose you're in the afterlife, you have no body. As we, we were saying, one of the main concerns about the afterlife is we want to think that our relationships with our loved ones might be able to continue after death. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're a soul with no body, how would you interact with other souls? How would you communicate? How would you talk? How would you like converse. Well, I think there's no clear answer. They'd have the duelist has to come up with something. Yeah. Like what is it? They have to define what a soul even is really. Don't they? Yeah, they definitely do. Cause that it's hard to define what it is. It's other than saying it's immaterial. 
it's immaterial. It's it's a your essence. It's like okay, if I yeah. can't, um, like you, you make a good point. Can this soul make sound waves that uh, the other souls <laughs> hear? Like I don't get it. Like what's going on here? Is it telepathic? Yeah. Is it just uh, some sort of quantum entanglement? <laughs> yeah, it might have to be telepathic. I mean, uh, I think so. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, uh what was. This? Other, um, so there had, there was one, uh, philosopher who came up with a, like, a he like constructed this like explanation of what souls do after you die. And he, he made up like this, I guess, like a dream world kind of thing. And the souls are all telepathically interactive in the, in this dream world. I don't know. Maybe, maybe souls are like, uh, maybe they're like. Like we were talking about last week, like all these different dimensions. Maybe your souls are like d- dimension five. Yeah, well, I, that's <laughs> what I would, I would have to imagine. When you die, they go back to dimension five. Yeah, we're just <laughs> visiting the third dimension from the from the fifth dimension. We had to go through the fourth dimension to get down to the third dimension, but we're really fifth dimension beings. Uh, you just remind me, I had I had a, a fucking sleep paralysis nightmare the other night where. Uh, <laughs> I was being held while well, I was completely paralyzed, couldn't speak or see or anything, but I knew that I was about to get raped by this giant being. And, uh, sorry, was this a nightmare? This was a sleep paralysis nightmare <laughs> I had. Uh, I just, I was completely blind, completely unable to speak. All I could go, do was go, wah, wah, and I, uh, it's not like this thing was talking to me. I just, the thing knew. was like harder. You want it harder. Okay. <laughs> I just knew I was about to get raped by this being. And, uh, I don't even think they were saying anything, but I felt like they were holding me down. And, Whoa. uh, thankfully my wife said I was like screaming in my sleep and she woke me up and I was like, Oh, you just stopped a rape. <laughs> You're a goddamn oh, hero. Whoa. So hopefully that's not uh, part of the afterlife. Was my soul about to get penetrated? <laughs> and if so, what hole? Was there a hole it was aiming for? My soul hole? <laughs> Your soul hole. Yeah. 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 I, I hope that is not a picture of the afterlife. No. I mean, I didn't. I, did, I, still, I, I still believe my dream self is a virgin, uh, anally anyways. Um, <laughs> it was just terrifying. I mean, everybody's probably had, I mean, have you ever had sleep paralysis? Lots of people no, have. I never have. I never Lots of people have. experience it as they're awake. Like they can see their room and they're still paralyzed, but I usually get it where I'm dreaming, but I can't move or speak or see. So I'm just, I'm just, I'm in like a dark void of parallel, paralysis. Para- you know what I'm saying? I'm uh, completely paralyzed, blind, and unable to speak. I can make efforts to speak, but I can't actually speak. And then I just sensed that. I, this usually happens. I can sense presences of other entities around me, and they're usually malicious. Hmm. Yikes. And it usually it, it gets to a point where the panic wakes me up, or in this case, my wife woke me up and uh, said I was screaming. Well, not screaming. She said I was going. Mm, mm, mm. So, <laughs> <laughs> wow, damn! Uh, uh, have you seen Nightmare on Elm Street? This sounds n- a lot like that. 
Uh, no, but I know the premise. Dream fighting, dream war. Yeah. Well, there's a documentary about sleep paralysis uh, that I watched, I think back when we were roommates. And uh, it was one of the scariest things I've ever seen. It was like scarier than any uh, actual horror movie I've ever seen. It was terrifying. And they did like reenactments of people's like experiences. And the crazy thing about it is that if you have thought about it, like people listening to this podcast, you're way more likely to experience it if you've been thinking about it during the day. So have fun, everybody. Yeah, this is why you're having it, because you watch all these movies about it. I hadn't seen that documentary in years. It just happens every once in a while. Hmm. Okay, well, anyway, maybe this is a good time to talk about uh, parapsychology and near-death experiences. Do it. Um, we'll skip over the materialism stuff. Uh, it's in, there's some interesting ideas about how you could have a life after death, even if you have no soul. What? Um, In fact, well, in fact, yeah. I mean, like there's one way that's actually from the Christian one, which is like in the, in the book of revelation, I, I believe it says all the corpses, like everyone who ever lived gets resurrected at, at uh, revelation for the final judgment. Right. And so the question is how, how does that work? And one explanation is, is that when you die, God takes your body away and replaces it with like a fake that rots in the ground or burns or whatever. And he keeps your freshly dead body safe. And then when it's time for the resurrection to happen again, he whips it out of storage, sends it back to earth and snaps the God fingers and, and you're back. And that's, that's totally logically consistent with materialism. That is ridiculous. So, that is. You would think God could come up with a better system than having to swap us out with dummies, little mannequins. Yeah. Um, Peter Van Inwigen. So what if you have a shitty body? Then you have to get your shitty body back? Hell yeah. Well, that's not fair. No one, I guess no one promised the afterlife would be fair. The only thing truly promised to us was gold streets. (laughs) Yep. It's a gold, giant gold cube with pearly gates. Mm -hmm. Well, Um, there's actually a pretty crazy description of like New Jerusalem in the Bible. Uh, with like all the different walls and they're made of like ja- of like diamond and then one wall is made of like uh, jade and another wall is made of ruby. Like it's, it, it's a pretty crazy description. I think it's probably in Revelations. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Great book. Book of Revelation. Anyway, uh, final. Yeah, it is kind of a nightmare, that whole book. And yeah, anyway, speaking of dreams, here we go. Parapsychology, near-death experiences. So we are talking about phenomena that suggest communication with those who are dead clairvoyance medium mediums possessions reincarnation apparitions ghosts those sorts of things Mm -hmm. so these are all taken to be evidence that something survives after death um Um, yeah i mean is there evidence of it of like is there any proof that any of that actually happens though well, okay, so here, here's like one example um, from a near-death experience, right? So some people 
many people actually, lots of people have near death experiences. This is something interesting I learned uh, doing my research uh, for this. A poll taken in 1982, so 1982, found 8 million Americans or 5% of the adult population had had a near death experience. And that's a lot. That's a lot, yeah. And a lot of them had similar experiences in which they, they so say they're in like a coma or something, right? So this will happen frequently. People will be in a coma or something and they will, upon waking, they will report that while they were in this state, they were in this dream world and they met people who had also died. And they like talked to them and then they, they woke up. Like people from their life that they knew who had died. Interesting. And we're in this dream world. And then when they wake up, they find out that these people had in fact died. But they hadn't known that they had died before they entered the coma. And this is a this is that something sense? that's happened. Many people have reported this independently. Yes. However, however, and this is where it gets very interesting. People also often report meeting people who didn't die, but said they were dead. So they have a near-death experience. They see their friend Joe, and Joe's like, yeah, I also died. Here we are. Crazy, huh? Mm -hmm. And then they wake up, and Joe is not, in fact, dead. And maybe the most interesting... Oh, sorry. Maybe the most interesting thing is that many people have had near-death experiences like these when they were actually not in danger of dying, but simply thought they were in danger of dying. So this sounds like, you know, okay. So when I, when you say they're meeting people that they knew in real life, uh, it, it sounds like a dream state, you know, it sounds like people are getting into, into like they're, they're under extreme situations. They almost go into like a dreamlike state where you, I mean, how many times have you had a dream of new, you talk to someone you haven't spoken to in like 10 years and you wake up and be like, that was weird. I, why did I have a dream about that person? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like the, a lot of the near death experiences are similar in, in that it's sort of like a dream people, lots of people talk about going towards the light, um, meeting so, people from their life, that sort of thing. To me, this sounds more like a, uh, there's a brain chemical that's being flushed through the brain that has similar effects. Are you talking about DMT? DMT, I believe, is the uh, it, it does get released in your brain when you are about to die, or maybe it secretes it when your body, when your brain is convinced it's going to die, even if it's not. Oh, like. Uh... Uh, like that Richard Linklater documentary, Waking Life. Um, is that a documentary? I've seen it, but I, I thought didn't... that was a documentary. Yeah. Well, it's a guy that uh, has a is in a lucid dream and he's floating around and he uh, is having philosophical conversations with characters in his dreams. Oh. Um, <laughs> I don't know if he thinks he's dead. Um, there is a. A movie called Into the Void or Enter the Void uh, about a guy who smokes DMT and then gets killed. And then the rest of the movie is him floating above watching everyone 
everyone's life go forward from that point and he's just like a ghost observing it all hmm. um which is pretty good but yeah waking life i don't know if he's like supposed to be dead or it's just a lucid dream i i had a lot of lucid dream experiences uh about 10 years ago that were fucking pretty mind-blowing uh that was probably like the closest thing I can think of of what uh, an afterlife might feel like because I was uh, completely aware of my real life, like completely aware that I was dreaming and in a dream, but uh, the world I was in seemed so detailed and real that it was like, this is the closest thing I can imagine to actually waking up after dying in a new place. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you believe in an afterlife? I am undecided. I don't know. And I don't think I will ever uh, come to a conclusion until I actually reach an afterlife. Um, I, whether there is or not has no bearing on my life now. Um, other than it might ease the pain if a loved one dies to believe in an afterlife. But other than that, it served no function that I can think of to have that belief. Oh, to like, it doesn't help you to believe that there is an afterlife. I don't think it would change how I would behave um, or my plans. Like it wouldn't change my plans, you know? Hmm. Yeah. It, uh, if there is no afterlife, um, it is very bad for religion. Because you can't, I think like uh, this one philosopher, uh, let me check his name, Um, William Hasker, he says if there's no afterlife, then the the problem of evil is impossible to solve for religion. Because the, the problem of evil in religion is that like the evils of the world are justified because in the end, God will make everything right and right. you'll have your nice, everyone, the good will be rewarded and the wicked will be punished and everything will be made right. But if there's no afterlife, then that final justice never happens. And there's no, mm-hmm. there's no, there's no justification. Well, back when I was in the very religious circles I was in, it would be very common for people to be like, uh, don't worry, they're not going to heaven. And we are like that, that like is like there, it was like a, uh, um, they're going to get their just desserts uh, when they're burning in hell. Right. And then people, mm-hmm. they really they made them feel good to think that the people they didn't like were going to be burning in hell um, for eternity, <laughs> which is a completely, no matter what way you spin it, unjustified <laughs> punishment. Well, you know, you know, it's funny. I actually, I listened to a Sam Harris podcast recently that was about the book of revelation. Oh, really? And they mentioned that, uh, a lot of the things that are like modern conceptions of Christianity about uh, the book of revelation are actually not even in the book of revelation. So there's no, there's no rapture in the book of revelation. And yeah, I know that. it also says that people don't burn forever. They just get disposed of in a lake of sulfur. Um, there is no real mention of hell in the Bible. Uh, yeah, there's no mention of hell. They the mention a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, but 
fucking I go to open mic night. That's essentially (laughs) (laughs) that description fits there too. Um, But yeah, the idea of that there's a heaven and hell. um, You would actually be surprised how much, uh, how many things like tropes of religion are not in the Bible. (laughs) Completely conjured up by the church. Yep. These goddamn poops. Popes. Yeah. So, anything else? Um, Oh, there's one there. I guess this isn't about religion, but there was one last one that was interesting. Interesting afterlife idea for the materialists. And this was from a philosopher named Dean Zimmerman. Who said, I'll just, I'll just read this quote. At the instant of death, each elementary particle in a person's body undergoes budding in which it produces another particle of the same kind. The newly produced particle takes its place in a resurrection body existing in a resurrection space. At the same time, the original particle remains in place as part of the corpse. Since it is the resurrection body and not the corpse, which continues the life of the subject, the resurrection body is the closest continuer of the pre-death body. It is then the resurrection body and not the corpse that is the same body as the one that previously lived and personal identity is preserved. What do you think about that? (laughs) I think that that's pretty much solves the case for me. Um, Here's what I think. I think consciousness is the fifth dimension. Yeah. And when we die, it, there's no, and our brain is like a fifth dimension adapter for our dimension and the fifth dimension. Yeah. And uh, when we, when our brain dies, the adapter doesn't work anymore. So the connection is severed and we lose the fifth dimension. But then when you grow a new brain, you have a new adapter and the fifth dimension can plug in again, but it plugs in according to the weird, unique. So you're saying there's no, there's no way for your consciousness to continue on. Like, uh, no, there's like a grant. There's like a, big soup of consciousness in the fifth dimension. Yeah. And everyone's brain is like a adapter for that. My question would be why? (laughs) There is no why. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I've had, I've had uh, experiences on psychedelics that really made me feel like there was higher dimensions and higher dimensional beings. Um, but again, can't prove them. Anyways, we're almost at time. I got to get to another podcast. Um, lots to think about. Lots to think about. Uh, buy my album. God damn it. Uh, JordanStraussComedy.com. Pay what you want. You can even put $0 in. You can still get the album. I, I, I literally could not have come up with a more generous marketing campaign for you goddamn people. But uh, All right. All right. I'll buy it. Okay. Okay. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Uh, anything else? Uh, um, April Fool's Day this weekend. Have, do something funny. I play a <laughs> prank on someone. I don't know. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you next week. All right, see ya.